Welcome to episode 16 of Now We're Talking. Uh, this is a podcast about communication skills. I'm Rob Danish from the University of Waterloo. And in our last episode, we were talking about the basics of the English sentence. And I said that a sentence was a logical, a structure of logical relationships. And that in English, the most basic logical relationship is between subject and verb. So in this episode, and I hope, I don't know how short this is going to be, but it deals only with one thing this episode, and that's the comma. So it deals with uh, how to write using commas correctly. And in the next episode, we'll deal with the other marks of the English language that come in sentences. But based on what I said in the last episode, um, it should be immediately clear, or something should be immediately clear. And that is, any mark we use in writing English and by mark, I mean a thing other than a letter or a word, is used because it indicates a relationship, a structural relationship inside or between sentences. So apostrophes, colons, commas, dashes, quotation marks, all of those things are indications of kinds of logical relationships within or between sentences. So someone that knows how to write clearly and write correctly knows how the marks of the English language indicate the, and what kinds of relationships they indicate. So how they do their, their indicating of logical relationships and what kinds of logical relationships are indicated by those marks. People that don't know what they're doing, that don't know how to write clearly and uh, directly, don't know what the marks do. They don't know the kinds of relationships indicated by the marks. So. In this episode, I just want to talk about the comma because I think it's the most prevalent mark in the English language and also the, the most misused. So I, sometimes I think that maybe 85 or 90% of my students don't know what a comma is or what a comma does. Um, so as with any mark of the English language, we have to discuss the rhetorical function it performs within a sentence. And by rhetorical function, I mean the ways in which it indicates a logical relationships, uh, a logical relationship, you know, in other words, how it indicates that logical relationship and what logical relationship is indicated by the mark. All right, here's, it might, this might be news for some of you that are listening, it shouldn't be, you should learn this in second grade. There are four functions of a comma and only four in the English language. So when you see a comma in a sentence, it has to be doing one of these four things. And if it's not, it doesn't belong or it's confusing. Okay, so function number one of the comma. A comma is used to separate parts of a series. So um, if you have three or more words in a row that indicate a series, you use a comma. So in the sentence, a comma is used to separate parts of a series. After the word series, I could either put a double dash or I might put a colon. We'll talk about that next week, but words, comma, phrases, or clauses. 
those are a series of things that a comma could use to separate. Here's another example. Most fire extinguishers are designed to cool, to smother, and to starve flames. So it's to cool, comma, to smother, comma, and to starve flames. That second comma, which is sometimes called the Oxford comma, is a controversial comma because the word and, some people think at least, the word and is enough to indicate the logical relationship between to starve and to smother. It's enough to indicate to starve and to smother come in a series. Uh, that basket is uh, expensive, fancy, outlandish, and retro. Though there's a comma between each of those parts of a series. So the first function of a comma is to separate or is to, to separate the parts of the series. And in that function, the indication is that the word that comes before and after the comma are related. In a, in a series. They're part of a series. Okay, second function of a comma. The second function of a comma is to set off a conjunctive adverb. The three most prominent conjunctive adverbs in the English language are however, therefore, and accordingly. A conjunctive adverb indicates a strong logical relationship between the thing that came before and the thing that came after. So I could be in the middle of a paragraph and then write a sentence. However, comma, a fire extinguisher can be effective by performing only one of these actions. So here's my paragraph. Most fire extinguishers are designed to cool, to smother, and to starve flames. However, comma, a fire extinguisher can be effective by performing only one of those actions. So the however is what's called a conjunctive adverb. It indicates a strong logical relationship between the clause that comes after and the clause that came before. That's what conjunctive adjectives do. They, they logically relate to uh, clauses. So a comma sets off the conjunctive adverb. That's the second function. Third function of a comma. The third function of a comma is that it separates two or more adjectives which modify the same noun. So. This new hose design has a long-lasting, comma, high-pressure spray. Long-lasting and high-pressure are two adjectives. They're designed to modify the noun that comes after. The comma between them tells me that both of those adjectives are modifying the same noun. So the comma separates two or more adjectives, but indicates that both adjectives are modifying the same noun. So commas set off things in a series, set off conjunctive adverbs, uh, set and separates uh, two or more adjectives that modify the same noun. Fourth function, and this is perhaps the most important function of the comma because so many of my students get this function wrong or are confused about what it is, but fourth and final function of a comma. A comma can set off elements of a sentence, so it can set off a word, it can set off a phrase, or it can set off a clause that's not essential to the meaning of the sentence. So let me repeat that. A comma can set off some words or so a phrase or a clause in a sentence that's not essential to the meaning of the sentence. So in this case, the comma is being used to show that the thing being set off is less important and inessential to the main structural logical relationship of the sentence. Here's an example. The student answered all the questions. Well, 
I'm going to give you the same sentence with a comma and without a comma. Here's the first sentence, without a comma. The students answered all the questions which dealt with aerospace technologies. In that sentence, when there's no comma, it, the, the sentence means that the questions that dealt with aerospace technologies are essential to the meaning. So the students answered all the questions, comma, which dealt with aerospace technologies. In that example, the fact that the students answered all the questions is the essential meaning of the sentence. And the fact that, they, that those answers dealt with aerospace technologies is of secondary importance or less important. It's inessential to the sentence. So the phrase which dealt with aerospace technologies in the first sentence describes only the questions the students answered. The sentence implies that the student may or may not have answered questions in other areas. The meaning of the same phrase in the second sentence is changed by the comma because it suggests that the questions the student was asked dealt with, air, all the questions that the student was asked was dealt with aerospace technologies. The phrase isn't essential to the meaning of the sentence. The sentence would be true, would be as true without it, uh, without the comma, that is. Okay, so we've got four things that the comma does. It sets off a series. So the rhetorical function it's performing is showing you that the words are related because they're all in a series. Second, it sets off a conjunctive adverb. It, and the reason it has to set off the conjunctive adverb is that in writing, conjunctive adverbs are so important because they so strongly indicate logical relationships between clauses that come before and after. So the use of however, therefore, or accordingly are, um, you know, they're logical relators, they, they logically relate clauses. So the comma separates it out to highlight the fact that there's a major move from one clause to another clause it's, that's coming. The comma separates two adjectives which modify the same noun, or else we might get confused about whether or not, or, or which adjective is going with which noun. So the comma tells us that both two or more adjectives go with the same noun. Or third, the comma sets off elements of a sentence. Oh, sorry, or fourth, the comma sets off elements of a sentence that are not essential to the meaning of the sentence. Not essential to the meaning of the sentence. Of secondary importance. So in that case, the comma tells us that the thing that comes after the phrase, uh, the thing that comes after uh, or sometimes before the comma um, is less important in the meaning of the whole sentence than the main structural logical relationship. So just another example, let me think of another example of that fourth function off the top of my head. Um, when the clock struck, struck one comma, all the children went outside. So that, when I'm using the comma there, I'm saying that the main meaning of the sentence is that the children went outside, and that there's this dependent clause that's less important, that it all happened at when the clock struck one. But if I don't put the comma in, if I just say, when the clock struck one, the children all went outside, I'm saying that it was essential that the clock struck one for the children to go outside. That was the real um, essential piece of the sentence. So the comma is setting off elements of a sentence that aren't essential to the meaning of the sentence in the, in the fourth function. Um, okay, so th like I said, this is an incredibly simple and straightforward uh, uh, episode today, but you should go and look at a piece of your writing, any piece of your writing, paragraph, uh, an essay, an email, whatever it is, and circle the commas that you used. If you used a comma for something other than those four functions, you've used it incorrectly, period, end of story. Now, if you use the comma incorrectly, 
odds are you were odds are the reader will read it as performing the fourth function. So, um, I mean, one way to use it incorrectly is is to just have a sentence that says, "However, the fish swam uh, faster than the seals," and there's no comma after "however." Okay, that's a bad use. Or there could be two adjectives in a row, not find the same noun. You don't have a comma there. Okay, that's incorrect. But really what happens, um, those are kind of absent commas that should be there. Really what happens is that we pepper our writing with lots and lots of commas. And when we do that, usually what's happening is that we're indicating there's all sorts of clauses or phrases or words that are not essential to the meaning of the sentence. That's what we're telling the reader when we pepper our, our writing with all, all sorts of commas. Um, now there's this mysterious thing um, I don't know if the listeners out there will recognize this, but my students, and I teach largely kids that graduated from Ontario high schools in Canada, so I have no idea if this is consistent across North America or, or what, but my students tell me that in some place in elementary school or in high school or somewhere, their teachers tell them that they should put a comma wherever there's a natural pause in a sentence. I have no idea what that means, and it's really stupid advice. And you shouldn't do that. I don't know what it means for there to be a natural pause in a sentence. I don't know. I, I've never heard a teacher say that. I never had an English teacher tell me that in my high school, university, or elementary school education. So my students are telling me this. And, you know, you can leave a comment if you've heard the same thing before from your English teacher in high school or, or wherever. Um, it's terrible advice. So if you're listening to this and you have some sort of teacher that's telling you that you put a comma in where there's a pause in the sentence, I don't, I don't know what that means. It doesn't make any sense. I also teach speech writing and public speaking, and we'll be talking about that in later episodes. There, it's really important to indicate pauses, because um, if you're working from a text and, and delivering the text, pausing is super important, but you don't do it with a comma, or the comma isn't the way to do it. Um, when you're writing a, reading or writing a text, where you pause um, is unrelated to the rhetorical function performed by the mark of the language. So what I was trying to tell you in episode 15, which I'm trying to repeat today, is that um, in so if you want to be a better writer, you don't put a comma in where you think there's a pause. You put a comma in to indicate one of the four relationships that we just discussed to perform one of the four functions that I just went over, to perform the function of setting off things in a series, to perform the function of indicating that there are two or more adjectives that modify the same noun, to perform the function of setting off a conjunctive adverb, or to perform the function of indicating a clause, a word, or phrases not essential to the meaning of the sentence. It, it, you, you use a comma when you're writing effectively for one of those four ends in crafting a sentence. And notice how each of those ends is built around the main structural relationship of a sentence. So what I was trying to tell you last week was that the subject verb is the main structural relationship of sentence. So, you know, I ran to the pool. Uh, I ran is the subject and the verb. That's the main structural relationship of the sentence. The, the period, which we'll talk about um, next week, a period marks a full clause. And a full clause is a thing with a subject and a, and a verb in English. Um, the comma that commas that come inside that period are arranging the clauses, usually in longer sentences, around the main structural relationship. So they're either arranging them by saying these parts of a series, which are the object of the direct object or the indirect object of a subject verb 
um, thing uh, are he over here or they're placing a clause that may have come before or after and saying like look it's over here it's not in the the central part of the subject verb relationship it's pointing in in ways to how words in a very long sentence would relate to that main uh, structural relationship between subject and verb so good writers and I, we're starting with the comma because the comma is the most frequently used mark in the English language inside a sentence that indicates relationships between the words of the sentence. That's basically it. Um, the other are lots, there are, I think there are like 10 or 12 other marks in English. I can't remember how many there are right now. We'll get to them next week. Um, there are a bunch of other marks that indicate other kinds of relationships, but they're just used less, less frequently. Um, okay, so the lesson today is in order to be a better writer, only use commas that perform one of those four functions and know when you're using a comma which of those four functions it's performing. That's it. Really, really simple. And you should go back over your own writing and see how you're using commas and ask yourself, is it the comma being used for one of these four things? And if it's not, um, then that's a problem. It's a, it's a major problem. Um, okay, so that's it for this week. Episode 17 will be incredibly boring because it will deal with all the other marks of the English language in the same way we just dealt with the comma. I will just tell you what their what function they perform, how they they coordinate logical relationships within a sentence. I hope everyone has a great week. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you again next week.